on uh, the evening of July the 11th, uh, five days after my daughter was born, I, I was spending some time with the Lord and not necessarily thinking this was going to happen, but uh, Jesus came to me in my little small home office and he gave me a personal message. He gave me some encouraging things, but he also gave me this message for the corporate body of Christ. And he began to speak to me about 10 key issues that the church, the Western church must confront to step into the fullness of what he intended for his people in this particular season. And this is a uh, qualitative, not exhaustive, meaning there could be many more things, but this is the message that the Lord gave me. I'm going to read these, and then I'm going to probably focus on this first one. Here's the first one. A, re a religiosity that prevents God's people from growing in the knowledge of God. Number two, living a life on earth within the context of knowing our God-given rights as believers. I just want to declare to you, that everything that takes place in the world is not the will of God. If you really believe that, and you espouse that from a pulpit, then guess what? Even your own sin is not your responsibility. It's God's fault, isn't it? And so, we must know the authority that God has given us. Not just know it in a place of saying amen to, but actually learn how to steward the environment around us. And you'll see a key part of learning to live with the authority that God has given us is actually the ability to take personal responsibility. You cannot have dominion over your family if you don't have dominion over your own life. It's very interesting, before Joseph ever fulfilled, ever stepped into the great prophetic promise, he first must learn to take care of himself. He had to define himself from the inside out. He says, let them. You don't dominion, and I, I, this, I often say this, Part of the reason sometimes, and, and correctly so, that people will criticize sometimes that concept of dominion that's in the Bible is because we often look at that word through Babylonian system lenses. Yeah, yeah. Dominion is, isn't about getting rid of all the bad people in the world. Yeah, come on. That's right. Dominion is learning to serve the world through the will of God for the purposes of God. Not, not getting back at all the people, getting back at all the Democrats, getting back. It's not it. There is a truth in righteousness. There is a place in speaking truth. But it's about stewarding our world. For God, I, I love, I've been reading the book of Daniel. I think I'm in my at least sixth year. Read it. Constantly. Sometimes I get stuck in one chapter. But Nebuchadnezzar, this evil man, right? He's really evil. Like, he's like Saddam Hussein evil. No, really, that's what a lot of uh, commentators compared him to. And he's got this dream of judgment. And he comes to Daniel. And Daniel knows the interpretation. And he doesn't go, 
See, you're reaping what you sow, even though it's probably true. He goes, this is not good, but maybe if you repent, God will relent. Even though he gave a word of judgment, he saw an evil man through the lens of God's mercy. But he was exercising authority. Dominion is not weak. Dominion is not accepting just everything that happens. But it's also not trying to get back at everyone. We must never use the place that God has called us to do or to be to show off to our family. See what we did. I'll show you. I'm disturbed sometimes at what comes from, pul- comes from pulpits. Everybody's going to want to get on your ministry when God's using you. That's weird. Because Jesus said, bless those who persecute you. Number three. Hey, I didn't mean to get into all that. Number three, to receive and live in a grace of continually beholding the beauty of the Lord. There's a simplicity in walking with God. And it's love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is not that complicated in a lot of ways. But you can't love other people unless you're fully in love with God. Number four, the simplicity of the teaching and demonstrating of the kingdom of God. We know this, that God did not give us scripture to instruct us about democracy. It was to teach us about this realm called the kingdom of God. Acts 1, Luke writes, Jesus began to do and to teach. And then in verse 3, he says, appearing to them during 40 days, speaking about the kingdom of God. There is a simplicity in the teaching and preaching of the kingdom of God. Number five, authentic operation of apostles and prophets, rebuilding and building the body of Christ to be in proper alignment with heavenly blueprints. Ephesians 4 tells us, I won't read it all, just for the sake of where I believe God would have us emphasize, but I love uh, this part. So then you are no longer strangers, foreigners, but fellow citizens with saints and are of, the, are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus being the cornerstone. Christ Jesus, what's that mean? He's, he's, he's the chief of all of it. And we're not necessarily so, so much focused on the titles. In fact, the Pharisees, which Jesus said, beware of that leaven, they were really focused on titles. There's nothing, I don't really have a problem with titles, but the title is not really the important thing, but it's the real understanding of what those men and women bring.
So sometimes we swing the other way. We don't want to call someone an apostle. Because, you know, it's weird and, you know, we don't like those terms. I used to have a dog. I don't want a dog right now. Dogs are a lot of work. My wife is convinced that the Lord's going to speak to me in a few years about getting a dog. She wants a fluffy white one. I want a mutt if we get a dog. But when I had the dog, I never say, here, kitty, 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 kitty. What's the point of that? When we misidentify things, it's difficult to properly receive from them. So you must be able to, and I, I, I might open up on this more, but there is a disrespect, particularly among Western believers, for those, and, and maybe part of it can be uh, admittedly so, because maybe there hasn't been the most powerful or proper representation from the pulpit, but there is a disrespect from those who stand in holy places and a misunderstanding of how to properly relate to them. I'm not talking, please, I, I, I'm not interested, and I know this maybe happens in certain segments of uh, lording over people or abusing other people, but we've gone to the other way. Especially in the South. If you think the man or woman of God who instruct you is just the preacher, that's all you'll receive from him. Preacher, that was a good message. That's all you get. Preacher. But if I see them as sent from God, called to speak words of life, edification. Many years ago, I began to learn this concept uh, years ago, uh, at our annual uh, uh, In Global Awakening, like um, part of the network, been ordained Randy Clark for many years. I love Randy. I told him, Randy, I'm going to support you the rest of my life because you changed my family's lineage. But it was one night many years ago at a, a Voice of the Apostles. And uh, Lance Walnut was speaking on that Wednesday. I still remember it was a Wednesday night. And Lance is always great. But Randy stood up and he said, he gave this particular honor to who Lance was. And that night, I remember, it was like, whoa, the weight in the room while the entire time he was speaking. And I'm driving back that night, it was in Pennsylvania, I remember where I was staying. And Lord said, did you notice something? I said, yeah, that was really good. And he said, yeah, did you notice the introduction? He honored the place that Lance stood in and it called the measure of anointing out of his life. And I don't mean this disrespectfully because I'm not, I don't believe that you can't ask questions or anything like that. But I love my dad. I honor my dad. He's my best man at my wedding. He's my hero. But I want, I want to tell you something, because it's very common. And, it, and, and people feel justified in doing this. I've never told my dad how to run his house. Because he was given the God-given authority to lead and to guide.
And somehow, sometimes when we come into the things of God, I can feel it in the room, because it's, a, it's, a, it's an ingrained principality among the body of Christ in the yep. South. Yep. I, believe me, I'm not saying abuse. Right? I'm not saying you can't ask questions. I'm not saying if you don't understand something scripturally. But sometimes, I'm telling you, it's deception. People sit in pews, and I don't believe that. Yeah, I don't believe that. And you might not even say it. Some people do. They're that crazy. What I mean that crazy, it does not go well for people who speak ill of those who stand in the holy desk. I was not put on saying this, but here we go. In the room. I've seen people whole lives destroyed. I'm not going to tell you. You, might, you don't know who it is. I know this one man. A new pastor had come to, uh, 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 to lead a church. This church had a history of removing their pastors. I, I, I've never seen that in Scripture. And this was a very wealthy man. Had a certain account. He said one thing, and he lost his biggest account that I think was over 20 years. And the Lord says, you want to keep going? I'll take the rest of it. You wreak havoc on your life when you enter that arena. For whatever reason, God takes it really seriously. I'm not wishing anything bad on anyone. I just tell people, don't go there. Like, but they're doing bad stuff. I said, leave and leave quietly. Because when God unplugs that thing... It's really important, this stuff. If you don't understand something, be careful. Sorry, you've been hurt by church leaders. But it doesn't take away the fact of the authority God invests in men and women he's called to lead. Now, the other side about that, one day, Abner's going to stand before Jesus, and he's going to judge me doubly. Thank you, Pastor Willie, for the amen. It's true anyway. Stricter judgment against God's servants. You're like, but they're getting away with it. They're going to stand before Jesus. And the books will be open. Number six, judgment will begin in the house of God. The Lord told me this, I'll hold leaders responsible for trusting the wisdom of man rather than the leading of the Holy Spirit in the knowledge of God. And he said, there must come a healthy confrontation of aberrant and unbiblical teachings. Obviously, 1 Peter 4, 17, for it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us, first, what will, what will the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Number seven, welcoming an unprecedented outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I was in a particular uh, body one day, and I, it was like, 
just the ability to discern and to see that day was just really clear. And I said, why is it so clear? And he goes, oh, because they're open to the Holy Spirit. The goal of God is not a move of the Spirit. The, the move of the Spirit is to get us to be normal. Isn't it? I, I, I'm amazed at certain people in leadership positions, the body of Christ, they say, watch out for those people who say they hear the voice of God. I watch out for people who can't hear the voice of God. Number eight, new educational and discipleship models in schools being birthed. I'm going to touch on this. I'll probably touch on this a little more tonight. The original cultural setting of the Bible was uh, oriental, meaning Hebraic. Same thing. I don't know if you realize that. It's considered Asian. Our Bible expresses the concepts of reality that are in Hebrew thought. Concepts and cultural are evident throughout the Bible. And I want to hit on this point because it's important how discipleship takes place. Hebraically, they seldom use adjectives in their sentence indicating that their thinking is concrete rather than abstract. We, most of us, have been trained, including myself, in a Western way where Greek thinking or abstract thinking where intelligence is measured by the ability to articulate truth. For the Hebrew, the job was more what you heard, you must do. They thought in more, if you heard something, you had to do actually what you heard. So the job of the teacher, you see this in Jesus, perfectly expressed through Jesus. Jesus was the greatest teacher because he taught and did. And then he had his disciples do exactly what he was doing. Most schools you go today, I'm not against schooling. <laughs> Name of Jesus by May, I'll have a doctorate degree. So. Is that ringing? Cutting out on me? But most of us were in schools where teachers taught and transferred knowledge. The culture of scripture was discipleship by hearing and doing exactly what you heard in the same context. Hearing without activity makes you comfortable with concepts, not the actual idea of giving your life for other people. I would say this, and I believe there's different ways you can say this, but the Bible is more a record of action and a summary exposition than a theological system. I think you can create systematic theology from the Bible, but it's more an action plan. That's my conviction. Number nine, a corporate body that demonstrates the manifold wisdom of God. This is one thing I'm really excited about because previous moves of God nothing wrong with it, have been about a gift 
or an anointing or a truth coming to the earth. This move of God is about you being instructed to go do the work of the ministry. This is one of the reasons why God, excuse me, the enemy fights unified bodies. Ephesians 4, from whom the whole body being fitted together and held together, I love this, by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building of itself in love. And then Jesus described this as a city set on a hill. A city has more than one person. Maybe that's why I set it up strongly with the other one, because it doesn't take away proper biblical leadership. Peter never said he was the church. He said the Lord was his shepherd. Number 10. A corporate body utilizing media to advance the purposes of God in the earth. And I really felt this afternoon, I was just spending some time with the Lord. I believe that global river, God, and I see this tonight, God wants to give you strategic wisdom to advance in media, podcasts, documentaries, film schools. The Lord wants to amplify what he's doing here to the nations of the earth. People that may never come to this property, but they connect with what God is doing here through the realm of media. Then on July the 25th, the Lord said to me, is my desire as a good father is for the body of Christ to soar into realms. No other generation has soared into realms. For now is the appointed time and the appointed season. Here it is, Pastor Tom, for breakthrough, building and establishing for eternity as never before. One of the things I've learned and I love about walking with God is if you live properly, you may leave the earth, but your choices never leave the earth. You leave the earth, but your choices never leave the earth. When we make reference to the knowledge of God, we're not making reference beyond something God has revealed in his word. In fact, if I understand scripture properly, I think I do have an understanding of this. It's this, that the prophetic voice, the number one job was not to give personal words, but was to call God's people back to fidelity to the actual word of God. That when you leave, you go, I want to do what the Bible says. So we make this point tonight, God's goal, I've been saying this now for probably two years of my teaching, God's goal is for us to be like Jesus. The goal is not to get you to heaven. Heaven is a consequence of being like him. Even other people are not your standard. Do not justify somebody's 
ugly behavior because they have fruit in their life. How many realize you can have fruit in one area and think like the devil in another area? Not you, the person way behind you. <laughs> so the goal is not to make the, this is really interesting, right? Paul writes, that's the standard, but then he says, follow me as I follow Christ. So the goal is to be like him. Paul, the apostolic teaching, right, was I labor so that you can go to heaven one day. No, so that Christ can be formed in you. Then he writes this in 2 Corinthians uh, 3.18. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in the mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. Catch that. That's very interesting language there. If you're not fascinated by Scripture, you can get born again to He's saying, we're transformed. We got to switch out again. Or, oh, maybe I don't stand over there. We're transformed by beholding him. Yeah. Most natural mirrors I look like, it looks like me there. I, look, I looked at myself in the mirror today in the hotel. I said, I look good. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I got the most beautiful woman in the world, and I think I'm beautiful too. what's the point? The goal is not that you lose your personality, not that you lose your uniqueness. That's actually, I think, one of the goals of religion. We get people in the body of Christ and, you know, nothing wrong with them. We get certain ways and ways of acting, you know. I, I love the body of Christ. I, I love all the diversities of it. I really do. Most of the time I can tell what stream somebody's from. You know? But the goal, the goal is not to destroy your uniqueness. The goal is to put your uniqueness that all that people see is through your uniqueness is Jesus. He really likes who he made. The unfortunate part of that, right, is so often the school told you to be a certain way. I'm convinced most class clowns are called to preach. They gave us labels that made us think less of themselves. They made us take tests that standard only measured intelligence in one way. There's a unique, beautiful expression of yourself that God calls to come out. Come on. But to look like Jesus. Come on. That's the standard. Yeah. Now here's an important part. Our heart is the governing feature of our lives. Our heart is the governing feature of our lives. Our heart is the governing feature of our lives. Our heart is the governing feature of our lives. Our heart is the governing feature of our life. Back to that corporate thing. 
I don't know if you realize it, but so many times I think that some of God's servants are frustrated because they have deep things of the Lord they want to share. I think Jesus was too in this way. He said, I have many things to tell you, but I've had to tell you these parables to almost hide truth unless you were hungry to receive it. 